I could really use a change of scenery. Yeah. Everybody's smoking all the greenery. Yeah. Close the match cause they were handed down to me. But I'm still fly, I'm still fly, I know. I'm still fly, I'm still fly, let's go. Hi, I'm Greg Xavier, and welcome to Day Dot. In this series, we explore the idea that there could be one day that completely shifts or changes your entire life. From the inside out, so right now. Say it with your chest now, say it with your chest now. I'm young, I'm free. On this week's episode of Day Dot, we have Will Matthews, a former professional rugby player who nowadays is a supportive husband, family man, and a professional coach. He guides people who are kicking off their career, in the thick of it, and even at the point when they're hanging up their boots. Okay, so I'm sitting here opposite Mr. Will Matthews. How are you doing today, Will? I'm good, Greg. Yeah, really, really happy to be here. Really excited for today. Will rolls back the years to his childhood, where from a very young age, he had a singular focus, sport. If we roll back the clock to your childhood and teenage years, there was one focus or one common theme in your life. Yeah. Which was rugby. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually sport. Oh, sport in general. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sport in general because, um, so to go back, look, from the age of five, I'd say, was when I kind of grasped that I was good at sport. Okay. You know, I knew, uh, and, and so I started, because I was quite tall. Yeah. To get the amount of sport and soccer, football, mm-hmm. call it soccer. Yeah. For yeah. <laughs> um, but to get the amount of soccer that I needed, I had to go up, play up two years. So I was playing seven year olds. And then, okay. and then because I was at that level, I just kind of stayed at that level until we were about 12, 13. So I'd always played above. Above what you should have uh, been. Yeah. So I was go- I'd been, my parents were great, obviously, shipping me, picking me up from school, taking me to training here, taking me to training there. It's pretty much training every night. Yeah. Um, and I was so focused on, I just loved it. And I don't, and you look back and you think focused is the wrong word mm-hmm. for a kid yes. at, at that age, because I wasn't focused. I was just loving it. Yeah. I was just, if, if there was a Thursday night and we weren't playing football or there wasn't a training, I'd go out and kick a football and train, but not because I was like, this is what I need to do. This is because I would have loved to do. Yeah. So there, it's, it's a funny one. Um, it does shift at some point between having just a love because you can't, ultimately rely on love yeah. as you get older yeah uh, it, some people are very fortunate that they can and you hear of certain players just loving the game and but it does have to become a bit more of a focus that's a little more of a, a thought process yeah because you know? there's the there's obviously the regimentedness and the discipline to be training and working on certain yeah. things and then there's obviously the kind of strategic aspect of you know okay you know i'm at a level now where people are looking at me i could i could potentially get a, this could become my job yeah. and then that then it becomes almost it goes from uh, being immersed in it and totally obsessed with it as a kid to kind of a career path, yeah. let's say. And and if you love something, and as you're training, training on the things that you're not so good at as well, you know, because yes. if, you, if you're just doing it out of love, then you're not going to go, right, I'm just, if, from a rugby perspective, you wouldn't go, I'm just going to pass off my left hand because it's not as good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't do that if you're thinking on, in terms of love. If you're thinking in terms of getting better, you might do. You might think, right, I actually really need to work on this yes. if I'm going to perform to my best. Yes. So go, so I was, I was just, playing football the whole time. I was playing tennis, badminton. Um, I, I played a bit of hockey at a young age, but then I went to, I then was awarded a, a sports scholarship to a oh, school wow. um, that was recognized as the best sports school in the country. Probably one of the best in the world. Okay. A school called Millfield down in Somerset. Sure, yeah. And it's a huge sports school. And um, I went down there, started playing rugby. So I, was, I sort of went down there on a soccer scholarship. 
Okay. Dad was um, dad was still we farm back in Oxfordshire in the sure. Oxford Cotswold. So lovely. Uh, grew up on a farm, doing all the things the farm sort of would do. You know, helping out with lambing, um, harvest, all of those things. But always wanted to have a football next to me. Uh, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So it was literally as soon as I got off the tractor, go and play football. Okay. Do all that. My sister had horses on the farm, road, whatever. Um, and I obviously was always trying to kick a ball. <laughs> Couldn't be too close to the horses. <laughs> yeah, obvious, of course. Yeah. Obvious reasons. Um, and then went off to boarding school. And then from there, it was just, it was just, it felt like it was a sort of almost like a destiny because everyone, mm. I was with my friends all the time playing sport. Yes. So I'd gone from being quite remote upbringing with with obviously my close family immediate family playing football by myself most of the time dad when he had a a spare minute um to then just being surrounded by like-minded kids that just wanted to play sport the whole time which i'd say was amazing it's just incredible if you could you couldn't write it if you're a sporty kid going to a sporty school yeah of such high caliber exactly yeah yeah and and then just and I, i loved it so much stayed there went on to the senior school and did seven years down there um now the senior school was another level. I mean, it had fifty meter swimming pool, had athletics track, fencing. Wow! Um, it had everything. All know. the resources you possibly could exactly. want. Exactly, yeah. and it was all there. Um, and we had some incredible athletes come 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 through the school as well. And um, I absolutely loved loved that. So so then going from there, playing sport every day, got um, signed to go to, to to Gloucester when I when I left school. Um, and was that was that you talked about destiny and you've been obsessed with sport obviously it's very exciting but was there a sense of like right this is my life you know this is like the next step it's it's still sport yeah this is the way i'm going it, it, it never really i mean we used to go to they had a um uh guidance counselor there you know you'd spoke you'd speak to in your sort of second your penultimate year so what are you thinking what are, what choices you're going to make for university in my head i was like look i'm going to playing professional sport yeah. you know I, that's you're not I, thinking about university I, yeah, and, yeah. And, and so I, I thought about it um because it'd be naive not to but I, sure. I still very much felt look I'm gonna be playing playing professional sport so um from I mean, look from the age of I think I, at the age of eight I think I had a a, a plaque in my well, I've written on my wall saying I will play for England now it said I will play football for England okay <laughs> yeah, right, so yeah. we One had to slide. scribble that bit out but, <laughs> yeah um but like that so that because that, and that sort of I looked that was the idea that you'd look at it every day and 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 try and manifest you know yeah it's, it's, yeah it's, it's, I mean that's yeah. that's a very uh manifest is an interesting term because it's yeah you were doing it before it was cool technically <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly well look I think it was basic I think my either my mum and my dad had heard that someone had done it at an elite level and they said you know that and I was they were like you should, and I was like yeah I'll do it 100% I'll look at that every day you know I have, have all the posters of everyone around in my room of all these international sportsmen sure. or sport playing whether it be the NBA or rugby or football whatever it was yeah from a young age Will's career trajectory seemed to be on the up however this came with countless bumps in the road in the form of injuries but throughout all this Will never lost his focus on the dream of putting on that England jersey. Unfortunately, injury is kind of <laughs> plays its part in most mm-hmm. of my story. But um, I was injured for say England under 16s for the selection process, so okay. I didn't do England under 16s. Then I was injured for England under 18s and didn't do the oh. selection pro. So it kind of felt like all the guys around me and the other schools were kind of getting that recognition. Yes, but I, it was it was uh, it was evading me. In, the, in those terms didn't really bother me because I felt I was doing enough I was just happy playing school I would have loved to have thrown on an England shirt at that age but that's probably not more vanity than anything it's, it would have been nice but I knew what I was doing was 
was enough at school. Then um, I actually then got selected to go to with, with England under 19s to tour South Africa. Wow. That was, good. that was going really well. I came, I played for Gloucester. I came on in a, um, a pre-season friendly for them. And the first touch of the ball scored under the posts. And I was like, Jesus, this is easy. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like this is, this, I looked behind me thinking, where is it? Like, where is everyone now? And um, so to clarify, you did get to pull on the England jersey at um, under 19 level. Under 19. And then, um, so we did the tour to South Africa having it was all just going incredibly well then I, I was playing i think it was a thursday night scoring for gloucester in front of the shed at king's home which is just the most incredible it's most iconic rugby ground in, in the country in yeah. the world so i was there and i was like and then on saturday i think i was playing in the middlesex sevens for in, young england and we're okay. going to be playing in front of say thirty thousand people and that was all the different premiership teams and a few invitational ones so yeah it was all happening really yeah. quickly all of a sudden mm. Wow. Um, we got put in this junior national academy so they picked about three or four lads from each age group from England um, to come into this academy where we got taught by Brian Ashton who ended up being a real big real sort of high impact coach for me yeah um, and youngsters like Danny Cipriani all these sort oh, of yeah. young young lads who were sort of 15, 16 at the time we all got put into this pot and they said right let's just coach that that team and this was all around the time when England won the World Cup in, in 2003 oh yeah but then look the, 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 the unfortunately I am um, just before the Six Nations, um, we were going to play Scotland, I think it was in January. And in a training session in December, I, I tore the ligaments in my knee. Oh. And and I felt it go at the time. I heard, And one of the lads was like, geez, I heard a pop. And it, and it just literally, the, the ACL just popped, MCL oh, um, tore as well. And I was down to cap, I was, had been speaking to the coach, I was going to captain that side for the England under 19s. You and, were? Yeah. So I, oh. he'd already sort of said, look, Will, we're thinking of you to captain this side. And, and that's Dylan Hartley, James Haskell, all these lads who oh, yeah. now went on to sort of big England careers. Yeah. Um, and that was, that hurt, you know, that that was a real shock because everything had gone, I'd, I'd had injuries before, but this was a real, right, you're out for a year, basically. And when that, when that happens, like in the moment, right, you felt it, someone yeah. else heard it. Was there immediate kind of dread of, oh, this has happened? Or was there a thing of like, oh, maybe it's not? Maybe it's not. Yeah. Even, okay. even when I was getting carried off the pitch and my knee was like, swaying the wrong way un underneath me it was just going side to side um i was like no it might it might be okay you know <laughs> and i actually got a call and, and and from the doctor and said look well we i remember we came out of the cinema on Chris christmas eve mm -hmm. and he left a voicemail and he said look sorry well um it's not good you're going to need surgery and it's and it's going to be next season till you play oh. and that like geez that was that was tough because that was a real and that was my chance. That was going to be my first cap. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Like the, the tour to South Africa, I'd been playing in an England shirt, but it hadn't been an official cap. Sure. So. And you'd had those injuries, you know, at under 16 level and under 18 level, but yeah. was the, this one was a bit different. It though. was. I knew it was different as yeah. well because it was going to be because of the length of it, I think, and the severity. Um, yeah. And then it's funny. Um, the They basically said, right, well, you can't play, so we're going to have to bring someone in. So they brought in a lad who was the year below me at school that I'd been, I used to, I used to take out running with me yeah. On, around the athletics track I used to pick him up go past his boarding house and we'd go for a jog yeah. uh, and that was Chris Robshaw who were then captain England for 40, 40 <laughs> games or whatever it was <laughs> so I like to think so yeah, you, yeah. You, you made him you yeah, are you're welcome Robbo <laughs> yeah. You yeah exactly yeah. just a mention in the autobiography that's all I'm after <laughs> yeah, you know, that's exactly, it yeah. that'll do um, but yeah and look that, that was weird but that's the first time I probably had to deal with um, deal with things that hadn't 
De- dealt with before you know I'd, I'd always mm. gone on this sort of it was quite a, a linear trajectory it you know? seemed from what you're describing yes there were setbacks but it yeah. was all heading the momentum was yeah. there you were going on your way exactly up. and yeah. and all of a sudden like and again from a family perspective i'd kind of they they i'd gone off to boarding school isn't will doing well you know everything how's will getting on of course he's great. yeah he's just signed for glossy he's playing for england he's doing all these things and all of a sudden i felt that I was th- that person to them a little bit, you know, and, yes. and it was difficult for me then to say, right, actually, guys, I'm. This is pretty tough, you know. I'm I, like, and and I felt that I was living in. I was at university doing sports and exercise degree, and I was. I just said, right, all I'm going to put my energy into is getting bigger and stronger because that was something I needed to do anyway. Sure. So I, I could fast forward that, which is great. Yeah. And then a bit of university as well, and then, and say right, and as someone just said to me, look, enjoy uni enjoy this year as well, you know, yeah, and, and try to make the most like it. looking to the future. Yeah, or, yeah. exactly. And, and go to some student nights out and those sort of things and well, enjoy being a bit young whilst you do your rehab, your recovery, all of that, yeah. which is great. But And did you? I did. Yeah, I yeah. did. I, I, yeah, I definitely did. Yeah, yeah. And look, Good. that's another podcast. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. No, 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 <laughs> yeah. no I, I had a great time and, um, but I still was, I had the feelings of what made me tick was the sport and I probably, and you hear this a lot with servicemen, sportsmen a lot of different walks of life but you wrap your identity around your role you know yes. and and i was will the rugby player yeah but i wasn't playing rugby so i, I was probably having a mini kind of identity crisis at 18 19 okay thinking well what if i'm not playing rugby and i'm not doing this and then it got into my head a little bit at that time yeah probably didn't have the tools to know what know what it was or what why i was sort of kind of not just thinking the way i'd always thought you know of, yeah. of, of um right next game's here this is what i'm going to do and, and and on that trajectory we talked about yeah. so all of a sudden you're sort of getting a bit too much time to mm-hmm. think you know and that's yeah. that that, and that would be something that i probably sort of time and and when i'm not moving i can have a, a tendency to think and overthink sure yeah you know yeah. And, and and usually it's just you're just you're in the, in the process and, and doing yeah so um that probably snuck in a little bit at that age. Then after that, we I was, I was actually selected to play for England seven. So we okay. so it was actually the year after, and I and I kind of felt I had a big dip in form coming back from the injury. Naturally, naturally, yeah. yeah. I really, but but it was more than just oh he's not playing that well. I I kind of fundamentally was like almost you know when you're in that sort of flow state things you just do things yeah i was having to think about things which I'd never really had to do in sport. I was okay. like should I hit that rock over there. And then as I'm thinking that, someone's flown past and hit it yeah. and, and done the job that I should have done. And and or should I run that line over there and take it off the, the 10? And then before you know it, someone else has done it because they're in that state yeah. that you're doing. And you're, they're, they're running on instinct, whereas you're almost, you've lost a bit of trust in yourself yeah. and your ability at that yeah. point. And yeah, exactly. So, um, but but I look, I was playing well enough to get selected for England for the, for the sevens and the first tournament was in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in 96, sorry, 96% humidity. Oh. and 32, 33 degree heat. And you're playing sevens, which is half the amount of people, yeah. just over half on the same pitch. You know, we're playing Fiji, New Zealand, Australia. It was- Wow, so big rugby playing nations yeah. in literal terms and yeah. in, you know, yeah, significant exactly. terms. Exactly. Throughout this series, you're going to hear me reference the idea of a day dot moment. The day that Will suffered a career ending injury was the same day he met a very important person. It's crystal clear that this was Will's day dot. 
Of course, this day-dot moment was supported by many other factors happening around that time. It didn't work out for me at Gloucester. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really ever get back that form. Other lads were coming up, whatever, got let go. Yes. Got let go by a coach, Dean Ryan, who was a great coach. And um, it was all amicable. You know, I sort of said, look, I'm not at that level that I feel I need to be. And he, okay. so, so we moved on. Um, I played two years in the first division. So I dropped down a division just to play games because it's sure. something I hadn't done a lot of. I didn't have a lot of rugby under yeah, my belt. Yeah. Having missed, because I missed the under 21s World Cup then with a hamstring. And look, it was, okay. it was a nightmare. Yeah. So played two years of first division rugby and I played, I'd say, 25 games at least in both both seasons. Mm-hmm. I hadn't played 25 in the first three years of, of, of wow. signing. So yeah. it was great to have that rugby under my belt. I then went to Wasps and within three weeks of being at London Wasps in the UK, who had just won the Heineken Cup, wow. um, my knee started to swell up out of nowhere. So oh. I couldn't, couldn't work out what was going on. So I had to really manage this knee. But I was like, but it was it was because I'd gone and then back into a full-time environment where the workload was, my knee was just going hang about. And this is the knee that was affected from the first injury. Yeah, and, the, and this is at a moment like you, you know, you left Gloucester, you dropped down, yeah. you know, you were taking the long road yeah. and then things are seemingly back on track yeah. after several years. Yeah. And then this is happening now. Yeah, and, 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 and it was the strangest thing, it probably... From a physiological perspective, it was it was a nightmare, if you know what I mean. But from okay. a mental side of things, what it did is basically Wasp then gave me an ultimatum. They said, look, if you can get your knee right, then there's a contract for you here next year. If okay. you can't, there's not. So it's very in, there's nothing more cutthroat in professional terms you know yeah that's in true. any profession like if like yeah. if anything if someone's working in the city of Accenture look if you can't do this you're not here next year yeah. you know and so luckily we had a, a physio at the club called Prav Prav Mathema who went on to he's now head of medical for Wales and has been on the last I think three British Lions tours like he's wow. incredible so he was my physio and he said Will I'll see you at 6.30 every morning before anyone else um and we'll get this right and we'll work. And, and there was Terry, Terry Edwards as well. Um, I had a great network there. Team, there's team, a team exactly around you, yeah. To support me through it. Yeah. Um, and I just became so focused on my knee and being, just getting it, getting it strong, mm-hmm. getting it in, a, in, a, in, a, in the shape that I could to play every week, um, that I could be available for selection and ultimately that I could get the contract yes. for the next year. Yes. So I worked, did everything for that. I was icing it after every day, after every session, you know, I'd sit yeah. there for 20 minutes, ice it. Then I'd go home, keep it up, ice it, just looking after it whilst developing it, developing all the muscles around it. Yeah. Um, got the contract. It was going incredible. And then Brilliant. And all of a sudden, oh. no, I got picked. I was playing on a, I think it was a, a Saturday. What, what night was it? What, it was a Saturday night. Thursday came around. Team selection. Will you're you're selected to on the bench this weekend for Wasps, which was going to be a big thing for me because I'd, at Gloucester, although I'd scored on my debut, I'd only had about probably another 30, 40 minutes of Premiership rugby right. in those three years. Yeah. Um. All of a sudden, I was on the bench, and I hadn't even thought about it really. It's, I was, it was almost one of those things. It wasn't surreal, but it was a bit like I've been so focused on my knee process yeah there's a inverted commas again <laughs> Pro- process i've been so focused on it i hadn't had time to think about anything else like who else is there selection i was getting selected because okay. i'd been so into what i was doing yeah and i and i know now looking back and that's the correlation is that i was just obsessed with getting back 
Yeah. And and because I was so obsessed, I didn't look at all the other things. And the time there wasn't the comparison or the no. kind of if I get this much stronger, I'm better no. than him and I'll start ahead of him. Yeah. And there was just nothing other than just just rugby. And and that focus and then next thing I came on, I made I had I only played, I think I came on with five minutes to go. My best mate, one of my best mates was playing for Northampton. Okay. He was like the star signing the ten and we'd been on holiday only in the summer. Um and I tackled him and just lay on him like just because he had to get up for the next play but as a back row I was like right try and slow the 10 down sure. so I just lay on him for, and then he like got a, a couple of digs from him <laughs> with the elbow and then I made a little noise and then he realized it was me obviously gave it a bit yeah. of a curse I knew it was better man and had a great game and I think I made 12 tackles within the space of being on the pitch for like eight minutes which was just I was everywhere wow, yeah. and um and did you have that that feeling back again of you know, like you talked about in your previous years of I'm doing what I love to do. Yeah. I'm going the right tra trajectory. Yeah. I'm present. I'm just yeah. loving it. Yeah, exactly. And and it was, yeah, that sort of love feeling of just being out there, you know, and and then ha and then that week led into another week, into another week. And all of a sudden I was playing every week wow. by the bench or starting. We had, there was a few injuries as well to that. I mean, Tom Reese, who was the club captain, who, who had he been fit would have been England captain for 10 years. You know, he was just incredible. He was a seven and mm. um, he was injured at the time. So it just provided me and presented an opportunity that I took, you know, and yeah. I grabbed grabbed it with both hands, got another contract, a, a better contract for the next year. Um, but then this neck thing started. So yeah. So and, this and, is it. Yeah, yeah. This is the kind of the one that sort of the... I don't want to say the final nail in the coffin because yeah, you recover yeah. from everything, but this was the big one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and people can understand if you're recovering from a knee or an ankle or whatever, you can kind of, you can, you can in your head, you can process that and go, right, I can get back from this. And yeah. if I have a bit of lasting damage, which I probably do now with my, I uh, know I do in my knee and my ankle and I can live with those. But when it's your neck or your back or whatever, mm. it's, it's, a diff, it's a game changer. Yeah. You know, and... um I, I pre-season I was actually over here um we were playing Leinster in pre-season and I made a tackle Sean O'Brien was just starting out with number eight and okay. I think he'd picked off the base and I'd, I'd, I'd made a tackle all of them got my head on the wrong side and um it yeah it basically sent all the neural pains down my, my left side of my arm and I was I couldn't lift my arm up I was getting it was like it was a stinger but a stinger that was just not going away and a sure. stinger is something we sort of use as a more throwaway term but um basically I think there's a compression of on onto the nerve compression oh. of the disc oh and that pinches the nerve and you get pains going down your arm pins and needles in your hand usually they go within three or four minutes it's like physio come on it's just a stinger all right give it a couple of minutes you'll be you'll, you'll be grand be fine. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly you'll be yeah, grand. Yeah. yeah you might have broken your back yeah you'll be you'll, grand, yeah, yeah. You'll be grand. get back out there sure um it's my irish case as well yeah. i thought you'd appreciate that um but yeah so I, I said it's just a stinger and then the pain just didn't go away so right. um coincidentally we went out for a few drinks afterwards met my wife for five minutes in crystal Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, so Every day, opportunity. I mean, we could talk about Crystal. Yeah, the fact exactly. That happened Crystal, but yeah, I think yeah, oh, the, no, yeah, that no. day was was uh, that day was the day where things changed. Yeah. in all sorts of yeah. ways for you. Yeah, exactly. And and you you look at it and you say, look, one opportunity, one one door closes, you know, oh. another opens, and yeah, I chatted to we, we were at, at Crystal like it was for us it was like a night it was like nightclub of dreams like you go in the at the bottom and you can keep going up and up but yeah. it just gets better <laughs> yeah. like, what is this place it's mad 
Um, and obviously met Joe's right at the top, the angel at the top. Yeah, we chatted for about five minutes and look, um, stalked on Facebook for a bit afterwards and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. Two kids later. You're married now, so it's yeah, fine exactly. to say that. Yeah. Yeah. If it didn't go that way, we just cut that. No, bit, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, um, but then after that, so I, that was the first time I'd been, so I had to do a whole recovery process of that, trying to get the, the neck strong, the, the shoulder back, um, the arm, like all of that stuff. Um, and it was it was long, you know, kind yes. of after what I'd gone through with the knee to get there, then to go back into that. But again, had the tools then to to really sort of focus in on on the the process. So I think that that's important to highlight is you know you've had all these injuries since sixteen, and mm. at this stage when this happens, you're what, what about in your mid twenties? Twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah, so you ten years of yeah. it, and technically that is the the biggest adversity you face given the nature of an injury that's potentially to your nerves and your you know yeah. your spine, but all of the previous experiences of, okay, I know I need a team, I know I need to focus on the area. Yeah. All that stuff is now coming yeah. into play. Yeah, 100%. And yeah. you just pull in all those different parts the whole time. And that's ultimately what life is, you know, you're, you're bringing in all the bits that you learn and you're kind of working out what works for you and what doesn't. And you're trying yes. to eliminate what doesn't and you're trying to bring in more of what does. And to be fair, you say from the injury from 16, I, I, I tore my um, meniscus cartilage on my left knee when I was 11. Oh yeah, and and missed the national and the missed the all the lads that I was playing with at the time went and won the the national school sevens, and I had to miss that because I was oh. recovering. So I'd been learning these things for fifteen years. Yeah, and point, I was thinking yeah. even then when I was eight, I think I tore my thigh muscle and had to take weeks out of that and i had all these stretches to do in rehab that i had to do every single morning before school yeah you know it goes people are right listening back. going like you're injury prone as what would you would you not have learned yeah would you yeah. not give up sport and do something else there what is what they're but thinking. in a way though like that's such a you know because you know adversity and setbacks were just part of it from yeah. when you were just in that love affair stage yes you know but you still just were like yeah. this is part of it and yeah. you kept going and i think the key that i'm sure people are picking up on this is while those things were happening in the moment you weren't going well this is a learning experience this is so no. lovely you know yeah, you're yeah. stuck in the oh god like how how long is this going yeah. to take all that sort of stuff but then it's the hindsight of the retrospect yeah yeah looking back so you're you're channeling all this in when you have the neck and shoulder situation yeah yeah 100 yeah. percent. and and then how does it go from there so we came back and I was playing, um, it was a Heineken Cup game against the Dragons. It was going really well. Uh, I was starting at number eight. We were going in, I think we were three tries up looking for a bonus point, fourth try. Um, and I made a tackle and I just I just knew it wasn't right. Again, okay. compressed, compressed the, the disc in my neck. Um, this time, um, I think it was my right arm. Usually stuff with my left, but my yeah. right I couldn't lift up. Right. I was like, this is, this is the serious one. Right. However... And, and this is quite, some people, obviously there's career ending injuries when you're on a spinal board, you're taken off the, and, do you know what I mean? And the, the severity is that mine wasn't, I, I knew it was bad. Yes. I didn't know how bad, but I was able to function and, and walk and move and actually stay on the pitch at that time. So oh, I was in okay. Aggie, but I was like, right, I'm just going to try, because this, this is my opportunity. I don't want to go off. Yeah. You know? And there's adrenaline pumping, there's yeah. a crowd, you know, you just keep going. Exactly. And, and I remember what happened then was we went to the other end of the pitch and we had a scrum and we were looking for that bonus point win. Yeah. And the ball came out and I remember flicking it up to the number nine running around um, and scoring a try, getting the, the bonus point. And then I was just like, right, that's me done. You know, I can't lift my arm up, yes. you know, and, and, I, and that was ultimately my last play one of my last plays in rugby you know okay. and is that and it was it was almost a nice sort of send off because it, i was i was delighted with that one play but 
I knew the fact that the, the stinger, the pain, all of that just didn't, just wasn't going. We went another week, we meant to play Saracens at Wembley, couldn't play. Mm. Then I tried to play against Newcastle in the Premiership, started the match. Again, went to throw like an apple core out the window and could barely get my arm up to throw the apple core out the window on the oh. way to the game. Oh. You know, and... And, and so at that point, is it is this going into your... Because you've made it through everything yeah. else, but at this point, are you going... You're, you're holding on. Like, okay, you're trying yeah. to hold on thinking, right, it's just like almost like a miracle is going to happen. It's going to be okay. Yes. And it wasn't, you know, and I got through half of the game and got pulled off at half time. Everyone, I think, clapped, cheered that I was off. You know, yeah. it was one of those halves. Oh, it was one of those, one of those halves, yeah. 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 <laughs> Serge Betson came on, who was like my hero as well. But I, I'd got ahead of him at the time. Wow. And Serge came on. I think everyone's just delighted to see Serge on the pitch, you know. <laughs> yeah. like, but I was, um, and I just kind of knew then. So I, um, I, I, yeah, went to see the, the the next specialist then when it just wasn't getting better. Yes. And he said, look, well, we're going to, with, with everything that's going on, the scan, they do everything. And he said, we're going to have to, we're going to have to operate on this. Um, and the operation was to replace the disc completely. So the disc C5, oh. C6, take that out. Because yeah. that was basically what was causing all the pain because it had just been worn oh. from, from those tackles. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to um, put a metal cage around the new disc. So put a new disc in there, put a metal cage around that and then fuse C5 and C6 vertebrae together. So yeah. you're going to have a metal fusion in there. Wow. Um, and at this point... Do you know, or are they telling you once this is once done? You, once you start to talk in those terms, you kind of know, you okay. know, and and he's saying, well, the, the the disc above and below, basically your neck and your back constantly moving, you yeah. know, so you, you've got a little bit of give in all your vertebrae. When you put a metal cage around one, the two, above, the one above and one below don't have that movement. Right. So then they start to wear down. So then you, that's okay in normal life, but back into professional sport, you could be then lying down getting the next one operated because it's a knock-on effect. Yes, okay. So he made that pretty clear to me. He said, look, you're this age, you've got to be thinking, even if you've got another five, six, whatever, how many years out of rugby, is it worth the risk of what you could do to yourself? Yes. Uh, and once you kind of put it in those terms, as I said before, your knee and your ankle, you probably say, look, Let's give it a go. Yeah. You know, oh, we've all played through the knee and ankle Yeah, injuries. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You stub your toe or your little yeah, finger. Yeah. yeah. But um, it was very clear. Then he and then he said, "Look, Will, my my professional opinion is that you shouldn't be playing." It was great to chat to Will about his professional sports career, but this is where it gets interesting. Before we talk about the man he is today, Will tells us about the transition period and facing an identity crisis. And internally then, you know, I know you were saying previously you were hoping for the miracle and stuff. At that point, does it actually sink in? And yeah. the reality of the, you know, oh, yeah. this is it now. And, and that I was trying to think about this because you go through, you think you're ready for it, if you know what I mean, yeah. as well. And I, I kind of felt because of the knee and I kind of, I'd probably been at some point thinking about this for a while. Even when I had to drop down to the league below, you're thinking, well, this part of you thinks this might not work. Okay. You know, I might not get back up there. Um, it wasn't, it didn't sit around for very long. I remember my dad saying it and I was like, what? What are you talking about? No, I will, I will get back up there. But yeah, at some level, it probably does hit on your subconscious even. Yeah. So you probably start processing that. Then I got to there with my knee and having that, you, well, there's a contract, there isn't. 
for you if you can get your knee right yeah. probably starts processing a bit more so that seed starts to grow a little bit so you actually mm. it's not a bad thing because it's probably processing that for you when it and does that, happen and that takes considering your entire life was built around this yeah. and, you know it was the narrative mm-hmm. for everything in your life up at that point yeah. that's not something like as you said the processing is something that's going to take time yeah you know yeah and yeah. and I had at that time, so we had that farm. We have the farm in in the Cotswolds in the in the UK there. Yeah. Um, just converted it for a wedding venue. Okay. Yeah, we've been doing self catering, bed and breakfast. So there was this sort of business there that was just in its sort of embryonic stage. My sister had come back from Australia to to basically work with my mother within the business. Dad was still maintaining the, running the farm. Um, and I was and you kind of thinking, right? Was that is this meant to be? Am I meant to then sort of transition into that? Um, okay. So I had. I had those those opportunities there. Was I ready for it? No, mm-hmm. I don't. I still I still look back on it, and I was probably more ready than someone who hadn't given it a second thought at twenty six and was just boom, you're done. Yeah. You know, I probably had more of a process because of what I'd gone through. Um, but then it wasn't an easy transition, you know. And you go through um, I like you look at the grief model and the denial, anger. Um, bargaining depression acceptance and you think yep went through all of that you know you, mm-hmm. you got those different stages I, I was definitely on there and the kind of the depression side you think you it, it if, if i had to say it, i think it was acute depression if that makes sense like it was specific to well who am i yeah I, I was a 16 and a half stone rugby player now after the neck operation i think i lost two two and a half stone wow i'm now just skinny will you know like, that's like I, I'm, I'm i'm not that person who used to play professional rugby and was 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 tanked for yeah. want of a better word who was a big guy yeah um i didn't just call myself tanked that's yeah, like, yeah. i definitely cut that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah worry. exactly um but uh, yeah so i was definitely i had an identity crisis you know yeah. of what who am i what do i do and i've been this way since i was five years old i know what i wanted to do since a very young age yeah um, it was all around sport so now i can't do it probably went down more of an entrepreneurial role okay or route sorry um yeah. and i've always known the sort of nine to five probably isn't for me sure although i actually really enjoyed it in my last job yeah when i was going in um i do like a bit of freedom and a bit of probably a bit more that like creativity and, yes. and and different things happening um throughout the day throughout the working week so i went into that now jodes my wife is was just like i want you can say a rock but like granite if you know what i mean she yeah. was just so because well, that was going to be the question was you know at this time when you're in that sort of, you're going through the stages of grief, yeah. you have the acute depression yeah. and everything, yeah. and you have your partner there, and, you know, I suppose you, and, and you can be honest about this, yes, yeah. no, but like, are you thinking to yourself, well, she fell in love with Will, the tank rugby player, and, yeah. you know, and your li- you know, your lives together are going on a certain trajectory, yeah. and now this has stopped, and then are you thinking like, well, could I lose her, could I lose more? Of course you do, yeah, yeah, you have all of that, and, um, yeah, it, it, like, and, and, and I was just thinking that, as you said that, when I had that injury at 18, you know, that first sort of glimpse of what that injury was like for sure. long term, I didn't really have anyone. Yeah. And now I had a whole network and a, a team. Yeah. Um, but with her, uh, with by my side through that, you yeah. know, and for anyone who knows my wife, um, she's like, it's not going to be like, uh, it's not an arm around for too long, mm. you know, it, and, and that's exactly what I needed. Well, you know, you go, you know yeah. I needed a bit of like, Right, okay, it is a bit shit, but what are you doing next? 
Okay. Well, how, yeah, how are you going to generate? How are you going to get out of this? How are you? And it was exactly what I needed because an arm around me probably would have allowed me to stay in that I place know, you can too long. You can wallow. And, it's, and that's not to say that, you know, like you didn't, because you, you did say, and I think that's the key, is you didn't just shun that. You know, you processed everything. You know, like yeah. in, in terms of that, like you didn't just... Uh, because people sometimes can shut down certain parts, you know, they can just ignore it. Yeah. But you, you actually sat through, you went through the stages of grief. Yeah. But then there was still this, in a way, it was like, yes, the rugby's gone, but it's still the trajectory, the yeah. bigger picture. Yeah. It's like, where are we going? Where are you going? 100%. And, and it's funny because if you're in it, you're living it, you're breathing it, it's incredibly subjective because it's you. Mm-hmm. There's nothing after it, you know, you, yes. you, because it's all you've known. Yes. From a very young age, it's to get up in the morning, be a better rugby player. How do you do that? You eat well, you train well, you do these things, you do that. Do you know what I mean? You live like that. But if you're out of it, well, you're only going to play until you were 35 anyway. Yeah. So there's obviously scope for life afterwards. What's the plan? You know, and yeah. um, again, having that objective overview of that mm-hmm. and that sort of, I then basically started a company um, that I was getting involved in the wedding venue. I was still living in London. So I was going back and forth. I was seeing all these things come into a wedding and you know what weddings are like these days. So sweet carts, photo booths had just landed. Okay. Um, Garden games, ice cream tricycles were coming in and we were based in Oxfordshire. Yeah. Coming in from Bristol, um, coming in from London, all these. So all all over the country. So I said, right, well, why don't we just get them all here? And then when the bride comes in, she goes, I'll have that, that, and that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? and, and, and we can offer at a better price because we've got no travel costs. We've got mm. all these. So it just made complete sense. This was a, a lovely little thing to focus some attention on. Absolutely. And, and like you were saying, you know, you always knew that the nine to five thing wasn't the structure. Yeah. And then now you have, you know, your big, your big love, which is sport or one of your big yeah. loves yeah. is now gone. But now yeah. you have this opportunity to move to that creative side yeah. and, and learn a bit more about yourself in the process. Yeah, 100, you know? and you do. And I mean, for, for that, so and probably to revisit, to go back slightly before, so go on to the next is um, there were things that, that, that hit me with, I suppose it's the, I'd gone from boarding school, say from 11 years old. Sure. Into professional sport at 18 years old to retirement at 26. So 15 years of my life had almost been scheduled and mapped out for me by someone else. Yeah. So where I had to eat, where I had to train, where I had to recover, where I had had been literally on a Sunday night, we'd get the schedule for the week sent through to our email. This is where you will be at every moment pretty much of the week yeah you know you have your downtime we expect you to go and rest get, grab a coffee whatever it might be or do your uni work so all of a sudden you don't have someone doing that for you yeah and that that's probably one of the hardest things to then reprogram um and still something that i probably struggle i said struggles not like quite the right, something i have to work on constantly because I probably still have an expectation somewhere for someone to send me a schedule, you know, but <laughs> yeah. I realize it's not coming. Okay. I, so I have to do my schedule and yeah. I work better knowing what's coming down the line. Sure. And that comes back, that just comes back to a personality type, you mm-hmm. know, it comes back to just how I am. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I probably sort of like, right, well, I'm not going to train. I'm going to use this freedom as best I can and travel the world and do all these things. But that's great. Yeah. But for me, that's great if it's, 
kind of program you yeah, know, yeah, you know yeah, exactly yeah. i'll have fun over here for these five minutes <laughs> yeah. but phone is factored in on thursday yeah, exactly yeah, you yeah. can laugh on tuesday yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, like so i i kind of um was and i still work on that a lot and i and i actually do that a lot of that stuff from from myself from joe's now what kind of right this is our this is the week and we're trying to and do all that so that gives me a sense of structure mm-hmm. which is a really big thing for me structure yeah um and that's something that I wasn't expecting as much, but anyone coming out of, again, service, um, services, coming out of professional sport, quite, quite a, a whole host of different industries, um, you almost become institutionalized that way. Yeah, You're expecting to be told what to do. Yes. Um, and that's that's something, and look, and it's something, and I'll go on to this maybe a little bit later, is something I'm working with people now. Okay. On, you know, yeah. and it's something that, um, I knew and I got such a great first hand overview and view of that. Absolutely. That now I can really help others that are about to or going through a change or a transition. Yeah. At now, you know. Will tells us about the man he is today, his new career, and his focus on his family. Personally, I loved his statement about knowing who you are, not who you were, or who you want to be. And that is the energy I felt from the man sitting opposite me. You've transitioned into something which perhaps, and you can tell us whether you ever saw yourself doing this in previous years, but you're actually now using what you've learned and everything you've picked up to help others. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I think for me anyway, that's that's the beauty of, of life, you know, of, of being able to help. Like I, I, like service would be a big thing for me of, of helping others, serving others. Yeah. Um, and now having gone through different elements and got but ultimately just gone through life you yeah. know and yeah. learn and then probably been quite um receptive and aware as those things happened that i've now got this appreciation on the other side yeah. and i'm still going through all those different things and different changes yeah um some people probably would just go through them and just get on and yeah. i'd probably go through them and go oh that happened that's something i could probably take and it's not not uh, saying one one's good or one's bad i'm just mm-hmm. probably i'm just aware i think because I, I do think quite often you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a thinker yeah you know and it's funny because i was listening to a podcast the other day a girl called um mel robbins who's amazing she, oh yeah she's a phenomenal woman and she's like you've got these small group over here that action action based action bias they just get on and you've got everyone else really that thinks you know yeah. and <laughs> if something comes on like comes in just get it done and i'm, I'm probably i do fall into that think category and, okay. and try to move myself into action as much as I can yeah you know and and for me action and this is a thing I have with my wife action for me usually is get a list you know which yeah, is okay, which yeah. isn't really action you <laughs> no, know it's, no, no, it's no. a movement of, of something but yeah. it's not really action it's kind of a fake action because yeah. it's like oh I'm doing something yeah. but actually you're just putting thoughts yeah. on paper exactly you know? this yeah. list geez <laughs> this list is going to be done it's going to be action yeah. Yeah. And, and I do but I do and I, I actually have been working on a way that I'm looking to help other people with of making that list really, really actionable. So helping others um, go through what we pretend, what I've been, been through yeah. um, would be a huge, and it's almost like uh, the sports. So when you say, did you expect it? You know, when I was doing my sports and exercise um, science degree, I didn't think I'd be using that. If I'm honest, I thought okay. I thought I enjoy this. Um, I'm at Gloucester, so I go to the University of Gloucester. It makes sense. I'm kind of my dad was like, "You will get your uni d- degree if you're playing rugby as well," which was great advice. Yeah. Um, 
So I thought, right, I'd do this. It's amazing now I'm coming back to so much of what I learned, whether it be nutrition, um, the physiology, the psychology, which is huge. And I've done subsequent, I've done a sports psychology um, certificate down at uh, IADT. Oh yeah. Which was, which was great. Um, I've just obviously done the, the coaching course as well. Um, so the psychology I'm really going back to. Um, but then obviously even with sort of the wellness and the sleep and, and all of those, those different elements, I kind of feel that that, that knowledge that I've acquired yeah. over this, over this, period of time period of uh, time and that's knowledge from qualifications and life experience exactly yeah exactly and if someone said what are you qualified in well teams mm. is a big thing you know and that's yeah. something i really want to focus in on as well um yeah. because i've been in a team since i was five you know I, yeah. i've been playing a team sport since that age the dynamics i've understood because i've lived in it yes. and at the time as you said before you don't necessarily know what's going on you just know it because you're feeling it and mm -hmm. you're in it and then when you step back you can say oh that happened because that's what that that's what that was yeah you know you you're seven years old give it to give it to whoever because he'll score the goal you understand mm -hmm. the dynamics of that because he's the best player yeah and you don't mind that he's your best player get him the ball because and you think well the team will prosper from that i don't need to be scoring the goals for this team to do well and you start to learn team dynamics which is self-sacrifice and promoting others around you working well with others patting someone on the back and pushing someone else you know yeah. and there's so much nuance to it um and it's that idea of we talked about connection with yeah. people that yeah. is that's a connection with people because i understand nowadays you know people working remotely and they're doing things in teams let's say yeah. in, a, in a company environment or yeah. whatever it may be but again when we talk about that idea of interaction and connection you know you're talking about it's just it's just funny those things are all linked yeah you know because you're talking about on a, on a sports pitch it is it's that connection and understanding and it's all the unspoken it's how people are moving as a unit and yeah. all the, the, the cogs in the middle yeah and it's stuff that i think we can take for granted that we know you know and someone might say how how do you know how that team you you can just see it. You get it. So you can almost call it a feeling, but it's not just a feeling. It's a feeling that's evolved over years and years of being in it. It's the soft, soft skills as well. You know, mm. as, as I said, putting your arm around someone whilst pushing another, you know, that's yeah. quite, that's a real skill in itself to know who needs a push and, and, and all the different learning te techniques that we have and, and um, types that we have. So for me now, it's saying, right, I've got the qualification from life and from obviously from, um, from the, from the degree, etc. Um, so, kind of, how best do I put that into to practice? Mm -hmm. So, we've had uh, one of the other things I said about the hire company, and then we were doing kids camps at some of the, the top sports schools in back in the UK. Wow! Um, and these were sort of overnight camps where they'd come and stay. They could pick a sport. They would get the best coaches in. The idea was put the best coaches in the best environments and get the kids there, and it and it went incredibly well. Wow. Um, but just before COVID, we said right let's pull that and, and that was uk based so it was always a little bit like it always felt like it pulled me it wasn't it wasn't easy if yeah. you know what i mean and and it just felt like that's that ran for nine years and it was a re and we had some of the some really talented kids come through that and I, I'm, a funny story a girl was back coaching on year eight i think it was the eighth year that we'd done the, the sure. course and i hadn't recognized her but she'd gone to the school 
and she goes, oh, "Do you recognise me?" And I'm like, "I was like, uh, like as you do, like, yeah, of course, yeah." Like, yeah, I mean, you're like, not going to say yeah, no. I don't no, remember. No, exactly. Yeah. She goes, "I was here on the first course, on the first time you ever did it," and I was like, "Oh my god!" And then she was like, um, "I'm just back from Canada. I, I'm playing professional rugby, uh, no and way. I'm yeah, and I've played and I've played for England. And I've done all this and I've done all that." And she goes, "And the first time I ever played rugby was with you on the first year, and you threw that ball and we were playing that game." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Wow. And I was and it. Lit, it was moving, you know, yeah. she, that for me, that was just, a, that was just having fun with kids, throwing the ball up, moving it about, challenging them, making all that sort of stuff that we do. Yeah. And it, it, it planted a seed or, and it resonated with her that she said, geez, I love this. This is something I'm going to do. And she went on to excel in, in that sport. And yeah, that's the power of coaching that I wasn't even really that aware of, you know, and the, yeah. the impact that you can have on someone. Um, and, now that and, that, that, and I was thinking about this the other day, is that there's a, there's a coach, so so there's a lad that I came over and I started coaching when I first came to Ireland. And mm-hmm. and I actually started, I'd, his his old man was like, right, I want him to, I want him to play for Ireland. I want him to do this. So, <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I started coaching. I'd pick him up before school. I'd take him and we'd do um, kicking. And how old was he at this time? He was 13, 14. Okay. They wanted to put him in the forwards. And he said, and his dad was like, I want him to be back. And he wanted to be a back as well. Mick wanted to be a, a, a 10. So he said, right, well, what you need to do is be the best passer and the best kicker on the team and you'll be the 10 because you're quick enough. You've got all the other skills. So we just went off and we were just passing 100 off the left, 100 off the right, kicking to touch, kicking for the post, doing all that. We were doing, um, we did that for, I'd say, four or five years. And he, he look, he played Ireland under 19s. I think it wow. was when he was still at school. Yeah. Didn't work out with him with Sub Academy, et cetera. And now he's off to America to play. Okay. But he's also coaching. Oh. And he's coaching rugby, but he's also a strength and conditioning coach, and he's going to get in more to the sort of life coaching, I think, as well as he sort of progresses. Yeah. And then I was thinking, well, from a coaching perspective, there's nothing better than that. That the what we the impact that we have isn't necessarily on the one person because the impact is now on everyone that he coaches. Yeah. So he's it's a gonna, ripple effect. Hundred percent. Yeah. It's a, it's an, and it's a it's a beautiful thing because if you think back, then he's going to take things from me. He's going to take things. Some of the things will be like, well, I'm not going to coach like that. You know, yeah. he's going to definitely learn that way <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, true, Which true. you're welcome. Yeah. Right? That's why I did it. Yeah. Uh, and then he's going to say other things. He's going to say, right, well, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. And that was a big impact. Same for me, as I said, with Brian Ashton. He was a huge impact on me growing up. And then you think, right, well, now I'm putting that out to the universe, you know, to the yeah. world, to whatever sport or just life or whatever. Now he's going to pass that message on and he'll coach someone else. And that will have a, a that ripple effect. Yeah. that will go out and out and, and sort of give what you're doing longevity, you know, yeah. and ultimately leg- legacy, you yeah. know, and you, you, you don't really think about that too much at this age. Yeah, but, it, but again, it's, it's, you know, if you tie back to when you had your first knee injury, it's that idea of rather kind of looking at the world, because people nowadays talk a lot about making impacts and yeah. affecting people. And rather than sitting down and say, okay, if I can coach 10 people and they coach 10 people and then I'll start a coaching academy and, you know, but rather than that, you actually were just like with the knee. It's like, I just need to focus on the guy I'm coaching now. Uh, Or like you said, with that girl who went on to play in Canada, where it's just, it's just in the moment having fun and Mm. without realizing it, all that internal stuff, all those soft skills are coming through and they're picking up on it. So it's not, it's not about trying to control and say like legacy from an ego point of view. It's purely just focusing on the process and all the the positive stuff follows as a result. Yeah. And, and because, because of the way we are legacy in a way is like money, you know, it, it happens. It's a secondary thing, you know, interesting. If you're, 
And no, that's not always the case, obviously. You know, some people can be quite direct. I am going to make money for this or whatever, and they mm. get after it. But quite often, when you're passionate about something or you're in that process state you, when you're just doing, yeah, because you're doing it to the best of your ability, you're giving it 100% effort. The ripple effect of that is that you do it well. Yeah. And then that legacy piece will come. And obviously probably m m money will follow because you're doing it to a good standard. Oh, it doesn't have to follow, but it probably probably will. And if someone was to say, well, I overthink, I overthink everything. Well, then you probably say to them, well, are you overthinking because you're not quite aligned with what you're doing, with mm. how you feel and what your values are? Because sometimes to get into process, you need to be, have a really good alignment to what you want to achieve in life or and, and your values and what you hold dear to yourself and true to your authentic self, you know, not what you've been conditioned to think is me, you know, yeah. and, and, and I would have been guilty of that probably playing a bit of a role as, as a kid growing up of trying to be the big lad and, you know, because that's the macho rugby image. Of course. Which I'm not really that guy, you know, and you can play a role. What's is, so I would say do the work on yourself first and find out really what you hold dear and important to you and for me that's family and um as i said structure and those yeah. sort of things you know i i've recognized that as i've got older very clear on what is important to me yeah now i can align that with what i want to do with my life and yes. i can i don't have to overthink too much because i'm have more of an alignment sometimes when that alignment gap increases you overthink and you look at the people around you. Oh, they're doing that. They're doing this. Who's doing? And you kind of look because you're not just in it yourself. When you're so process driven and in that process, you very rarely look around, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's, and that's for me, that's something I would find, find what makes you tick and do the work. And if, if that's with a coach or it's just sitting down with a pen and paper yourself and Googling, what do I need to look at? What are my values? What is a value? Yeah. You know, because some people don't know what values are, you know, yeah. what's my gut values what are my heart values what are my head values to really <laughs> make it difficult but they yeah, are, they're yeah. all different well exactly and everyone's coming at it from different angles different yeah. levels of experience that that, yeah. that all totally makes sense yeah, yeah. and get and, and get just a clear idea and that's probably one thing that i've really probably moved forward with in the last year but over the last few years is having a clearer understanding of me and the person that i am not the person that i want to be or the person that i think i should be but just mm. who I am, yeah, you know, and and that in itself is a, to to know more about that. It's an ongoing process, but it's one of the most valuable things yeah. you can do. Yeah, it, and it it will stand to you for the test of time because if if you are trying to be someone else, you're trying to be really forgiving, but you 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 and you and you're not that person or that person, and you forgive someone and it doesn't sit right with you, it, it will surface or show somewhere else if you're yeah. or whatever it might be you know you just don't want to get you want to have a li you want to decrease that gap between who you are and what you do when those two come together yeah. you fly you know and that's yeah. that's such a big thing for if someone's listening and they're thinking right i just don't seem to get the 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 energy to do what i want to do or the the i procrastinate too much i do all these sort of things of course we're still going to procrastinate and you know, that, that, that happens and that happens to me, you know, and I'm, I'm starting my own thing again now. This will be probably the fourth business that I've started. Wow. Um, and I've learned so much from the others. Yeah. And I can see that now as well. Yeah. Um, and they've been great learning experiences for me. But 
I can still procrastinate and say, well, what do I really want to do? And they're doing that. And But once you get that, once you just get into it and start coaching, and that's what I've kind of done, is just said, right, well, what do I actually want to do? It's not to make tons of money, mm-hmm. you know? And that, if, if I put my values, that that isn't that high up, you know? I want to be secure and yeah. I want to live a good life and I want to provide a good life um, for my family, of course. you know, and, and, and contribute to that. But I don't want to be like overly wealthy where it's just obnoxious you know yeah, i don't yeah. want obnoxious money I just, yeah. some money would be good yeah um so once i remove that i say well what do i want to do really i want to have high impact on people around me around their own performance so that they're they're op- they're sort of working in their best capacity sort of optimally um so then you just got to get out and do it yeah. and for me that's just coaching and mm-hmm. that's just so i've started working with people in that transition sort of part of their lives so Brilliant. working with some olympians that are sort of moving out of sport so that and that so tapping into your own experience of yeah. professional sports where it's everything yeah to then you know they would you step into the unknown of yeah you know not even what am i doing but also that well who am i now when that this is gone 100 percent, and, yeah. and linking that to what i've learned through experience and linking that to what i've learned through research and through the qualifications that i have and bringing that all together and saying this is what i found this might be a useful tool for you. Wow. And then listening to them, and, and that was the big thing, is not saying, right, this worked for me, there you go, boom, see you later. Yeah, next. Yeah, yeah. next. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be obnoxious. But no, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's saying, right, what, what do you feel? You know, and really listening to the person because everyone feels different things, you know, and someone might not have any identity issues because they didn't wrap their identity around the sport they were playing. Mm. They might have another issue, which is, it might be even a financial issue or something. Well, so if that's your issue, how are you going to take the steps? And it's empowering them, giving them, and that's any form of of coaching. It was inspiring and motivating to sit down with Will. No doubt he has the same effect on his family, his clients, his friends, and himself. One of the final things I have to ask you, I think people would love to know this is, you know, you went from professional sports, thousands of people, you know, you were 16 and a half stone, yeah. you know, built. And then now, tanked. as you've talked about tank, we're referring to it as tank sounds yeah. slightly better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I want you to say it, not me. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we're the tank opposite me now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But then now, you know, where your life is now and, you know, you talk so amazing about the strength of your relationship with Jody and, you know, your family and everything. And you've gone from this uber macho situation to now you're in, you're in a role where you, you know, you have the kids, you're supporting your wife, you're doing your own thing, you know, that transition. And I'd love to, for you to comment on this, but it seems to be, you're perfectly happy. You, you love the rugby and you're, you're loving where you are now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, of that is you now knowing really who you are yeah. and knowing that the situation you're in, you know, it's not about, oh, but if I was still playing rugby, yeah. I could have been really famous and I, you know, yeah. huge contract, loads of money, whatever it is. But it's because you know that your external environment is very much aligned with your internal values. Yeah. Fair to say. That's yeah, exactly. And we talked about that alignment gap. Yeah. That and mine at the moment, is 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 very small Excellent. you know i have and if someone had said to me 10 years ago this would be the role i was in i'd probably have been like well geez wouldn't wouldn't you be working wouldn't you be out doing do you know what i mean and, yes. and i think there's a lot of people still could definitely feel that we're definitely as a society moving away from that and, and i think it's i think it's empowering for women which is amazing yeah. because I, and 
I think the fact that they can go out and earn more than men in, in many cases, you yeah. know, and, and that should be celebrated. And then it comes down to, to egos as well. And yeah. um, I'm lucky that I've probably parked more of the ego that I would have had that I felt that I had to, sure. and it didn't come from a bad place. It yeah. came from a place where man have to provide macho all that. And I've, Oh, listen, it's perfectly natural. Yeah. 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 And, and I, and I feel, um, that it swings and roundabouts because I might then go into a role coaching for me might completely take off. And now all of a sudden we're in that space and I'm going, and it's just, and I think having that balance there where I can say, look, this is, your time to go and do to Joe, you do what you can at this time because you are so so hot right now. Like, yeah. you, know, like you, you do your thing because that's what we can do, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, the for for me and I didn't get into but like I do quite a bit of meditation. Like you know, I'm gratitude practice, all that sort of yeah. stuff. I'm more more and more aware of that, um, and I think that has all kind of helped bring me into this place where um it's it's a content is a and i remember roy Keane in his autobiography said content is a dangerous word because sometimes when you say content it kind of almost feels like you're not going to push on because you're content yeah you know? like things are grand now yeah what what, what, what need do i have and i don't yeah. have that in any way i'm very happy with the way life is and i love spending time with my boys i love being with joe supporting joe's and what she does i love the fact that i have a a burning desire to still do Yes. You know, and, and I'm not, and I, but I'm doing something else at the moment. Um, content is the, is the wrong word. I'm very, very happy with what I'm doing, but content to me kind of feels like you'd, you'd sort of almost stop there, you know, and, and I don't mm -hmm. feel like that at all. I mean, so, you're just getting started from yeah, the sounds of things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's how it feels. Um, Brilliant. So yeah, no, it's exciting times. Hey, very exciting times. And listen, yeah. I know people listening to this will learn so much about, you know, through you sharing, being so open and sharing your experience, people will listen and go, okay, so, you know, that idea of identity and that idea of overcoming adversity and that idea of pulling from previous experiences and even, you know, when you do lose confidence, kind of tapping into times when you were confident and embodying that. Um, I think there's, there's so much value in this. And so. thank you so much for sharing all of it. Uh, not at all, Greg. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, mate. It's been no brilliant. problem. No problem. Cheers, man. It's my time to I'm Greg Xavier, and this has been Day Dot, where we explore the idea that your entire life can shift in one day. Oh.